When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Right. Outstanding. Uh, and uh, everyone had a good weekend. Yeah. Uh, first things first, so I'm playing catch-up here. I've just... Uh, have you sat me on this side of the stage, guys, because I forgot my suit bag? Wait, wait, we've got it wrong. Swap, 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 swap. 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 That's better. No, we'll set you there, because you've won precisely zero contests. You've, you've won how many cups? Uh, one, one cup. I am a double champion. <laughs> a double champion. There we go. Well done, JD. The, the very first... Appearance is, of an uh, Chasers team <laughs> at a sevens or ten competition, and we've we've won a trophy and a trifle bowl. Uh, this last night, Tim Cocker had two bottles of prosecco in it. Living like kings, uh, <laughs> winning this is actually probably my most impressive rugby achievement ever, ever. And you you did put in a fair amount of effort, I have to say. Yesterday, I was very impressed by your effort. Uh, and a, a few of the other boys here as well put in some very impressive shifts. Yeah. We had yesterday the most remarkable day. Uh, people were showing up. Uh, we didn't know who was going to show up. We didn't know some of the players, what they could do. And literally every time I was asking people, yeah, can you do something? Can you, you know, can you kick a ball? And it, this bloke sh- uh, uh, showed up, Mark, Mark, just started smashing it everywhere. Absolutely <laughs> everywhere. Oh, this was... Uh, yes. Was his, uh, is his surname Bolton? Yes. Did Mark Bolton tell yes. you about... I don't know. Right, so one of the players on the Egg Chasers team yesterday was mates with my brother at school. And uh, I knew him from Newbury Rugby Club. And um, he once came away on a week away where my parents and all their friends would book a house for February half term. And we were allowed to bring a mate each. And Mark Bolton, one of the Egg Chasers players yesterday, he he turned up and we were sort of snaffling drinks. We were only about 14, Mm. 14, 15. We were snaffling the odd drink uh, when when the adults weren't looking. And the very first night, Mark Bolton, the player who was spraying the ball around all over the place uh, yesterday, sprayed something else all over my parents' bed after he slept, <laughs> after he slept walked uh, from the bed he was in. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> woke my parents up by peeing on him. Yeah. <laughs> but actually, after meeting him for five minutes, I can definitely see that. I, yeah, I can yeah. definitely see how that... 
He's, How that would happen? He's, first, not, he's not matured. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> Glad to hear. First things first. Um, yeah, apologies. I uh, I forgot my suit bag, so I'm not as well turned out as you, gents. So I apologise. I've let I've let the team down again. The reason why you forgot your suit bag is phenomenal, but I don't think I can tell the story because it's just too cruel on the guy. No, no, it's, no, it's, it's not cruel. It's because Greg, Greg Laidlaw wanted to party a bit more. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I had a choice. Yeah, sure. Do I, more, more beers with Greg or go get my suit <laughs> I'd be a double champion. I know what I'd choose. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, we've got lots to talk about uh, on, on this uh, episode today, but the, the main one is, is the site that we finally got to see yesterday. Uh, there were times when we wondered if it would ever happen, um, and we did get to see it to the delight of fans, rugby aficionados. We got to see... Phil Largan playing rugby again. <laughs> <laughs> so, first time, sorry, I definitely, definitely wasn't going to play. And then as it got nearer, I was warming up to the idea. Um, I am definitely injured, as you could probably tell yesterday. I've not run since last November. But Captain Lee motivated me sufficiently. What motivated, by the way? Incredible, mo- incredible organiser, motivator, all, motivator and all-round all good guy. Uh, well, uh, can we just congratulate uh, North Dorset Rugby Club on oh, an yes. outstanding weekend? Yes. What an event, guys. I mean, I'm, awesome. I'm, I'm, only, uh, I'm only piecing all the bits together by things that I'm hearing, but it sounds like a phenomenal weekend. It, uh, it's been an incredible weekend. The, the setup here is awesome. The, the teams and the organisation from the guys behind the scenes, from, from Jonathan and, and everyone else, has been amazing. Uh, 64 teams. Is that right? 64 that right? teams? Well, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, and some of them ran on time, didn't they? Uh, <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll just kick, off, kick us off with a little review that's been left. And it's from Dave John. And it says, uh, so please leave a review wherever you get your podcast. Uh, right, it says, my feed is full of rugby podcasts, but this is the one I constantly listen to week in and week out and have done since the early days. I think a big part of that is we're the only one that is there week in, yeah, week out, be, aren't we? Being, being first is better than being talented, isn't it? Yeah. It's easier. <laughs> 100%. Uh, whilst other rugby pods rely on star power, this is a fan's take on rugby. Uh, you see, this is obviously a really old review because, you know, You're me now. Come on. <laughs> JB was the star of the show yesterday, of course, as well. Obviously. Sevens and tens. Sevens and tens. Yeah. Uh, this is a fan's take on rugby, and it's like being with your mates in the clubhouse, chatting rugby over a few beers and uh, here we are at North Dorset Rugby Club uh, and then, then Dave John says do I agree with everything they say absolutely not <laughs> is every pod perfect absolutely not <laughs> but I can honestly say it's always been worth my time unlike other pods it feels like these three do it for the love rather than to build themselves a media career um, well, t- two, 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 two of us. Again, this is why we're sat separately uh, over here. That's, no, no, I, I, I've probably said this on the podcast before. I don't know, but that's 100% the reason I started. Was <laughs> <laughs> to build myself a media career. Uh, but it's actually quite good fun. I quite exactly. Like, I quite like your company, gents, so I've carried on. <laughs> and uh, the people that we get to meet, um, you guys across this weekend, and even in the, in, the, in the bar that I was in yesterday watching the game, uh, doing some work several of our listeners came up and said that to the point that Greg Laidlaw actually went this is the wrong way around there was more people coming up going Tim how you doing they came out asked Greg for pictures uh, Andy who was on our um, he, he says hello he's from Bo- on the first uh, tour to Bucharest he was among the hundred odd people nice. who came out to Bucharest he was the one who won the egg chasers tie by doing the quiz nice um, and, uh, and John who met you in Osaka ja- Japanese John yeah. Yes. Japanese John. What a guy. Yeah, yeah he, he was I, out there as well. Yeah, we met, met John at Twickenham and then Osaka and Okinawa with John. And, and there's some substantial people that you met this weekend. Yes, yes. absolutely. 
And yeah. uh, to, put, to put together a team, or two teams, sevens and tens, with kind of everyone here who most people had not met each other before this, this weekend, it was, it was awesome. It was great fun, the, yeah. the two days. Uh, uh, genuinely, figuring out how to play sevens on, on, on the fly with nothing <laughs> but the advice of, um, you know, England captain Rob Vickerman, but nothing else other, other than that. <laughs> and then somehow working out. To, it, it was honestly brilliant. And also, uh, we've got a player called Hugo that scored 10 tries. And that, <laughs> <laughs> Hugo did score 10 yeah. tries. Yeah. Plan A. I've, uh, Plan A. And I, I've only been here this morning. I, I'm already desensitized to male that's nudity. That's it, isn't it? Which is great. That's what, that's what Sevens weekends are all if about. If you spend any time in a Sevens tournament or a Sevens festival, nudity becomes second nature. It doesn't, you don't even you know, bat an eyelid. <laughs> there were some scenes, though. There were some scenes. On oh, Friday right. night, we saw, I can only describe, like, a, a good-looking sevens team. Do you know, like, they were all in their vests. They are all a- absolutely stacked. Yeah, mid- mid-twenties, mid well-conditioned. They're, 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 really, they're, they're really boozing hard. I think they lasted two games after the Friday night before pulling out. <laughs> yeah. We, we might have found a new income stream as well, because I didn't realise there's prize money for, for yeah. sevens and tens tournaments. Only for double champions, Tim. <laughs> Only for double champions. <laughs> well, there was another game going on, which uh, I hope you've actually got to see. Well, well, so the final of the, this uh, illustrious bowl um, sevens actually coincided <laughs> with the first half of the Lions game. So JB watched uh, a little bit of the first half. But I have seen it all since. If you mm. were gonna, well, but to be fair, if you were going to miss any of yesterday's game, the first half hour was a pretty good one to miss. 100%. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I agree. It it, which feels weird saying that because we've been waiting for this for so long. We were so excited. It was so tense. It was a great occasion, but it was a dire first half. What was it, though? Was it? I, mean, I think it was, was yeah. <laughs> I quite respect what South Africa wanted to do, really. Because if you think about it, they are not a great attacking team, South Africa. And the thing which takes the longest thing to sort of um, get nailed down is your attack. So South Africa will be looking at the Lions thinking, well, they can't attack. We are not great. So why don't we turn this into a, you know, a defensive arm wrestle? I actually think the tactics were not far off. So I think it suits the, amount, the limited training and time they've had together. Yeah. I mean, as an attacking team, they've got like, two of the best wingers in the world. Colby and Their centres are all yeah. right. They, and, and they've also got, they might not have been able to train as much, but 21 out of the 23 players started or played in the squad for the World Cup final. The whole back line started yeah. the World yeah. Cup final. So they have got that, that long-term cohesion. Um, I, I think there was a little bit of the, the limiting risk factor. They, it was, a, it was, it was a, quite a smart strategy that definitely in the first half worked really well for South Africa. It was kick, chase, pressure... And particularly put pressure on, on uh, the Lions' back three, and it worked tremendously in that first half. I think it's fair to say South Africa know what they are, and they and they try to be as South Africans as they possibly can. <laughs> um, you know, I actually thought the first half is not what you want to see in terms of throwing the ball around. I, I quite oh, enjoyed it. So it was it was a great spectacle. If I'm wearing a Lions hat, which I very much was, and pretty much everyone here was, I did not enjoy that first half because it just felt like. But people were asking, how do, how do the Lions change this up? Because yeah. they, had, they had no possession, they had no territory, they were under pressure from all of those repeated box kicks. And they were conceding penalties as a consequence. And it just thought, this is, this is not going to end. So other than perhaps putting Liam Williams on for Duan van der Merwe, you couldn't say the Lions could change no. anything because the, the, there's nowhere to change in the pack and you, you've not seen them play with the ball. I, if you look through that bench and you think, right, where are we going to get the spark to you know, overturn this South African dominance? 
you, you'd be struggling. Conor Murray? No. Not really. Uh, Farrell? Farrell? Faz. Faz who came on and then deliberately injured Dan Bigger. Hey, I've got a bit of uh, Dean Ryan logic for you. Oh, yeah, go on, please. So, Dean Ryan, who, when he was at Oyana. No, 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 no. When he was at Worcester, Worcester, they they beat beat Oyana, who beat Toulon, who had won the The preceding year's European Cup. So, yes, I think that was right. The Lions beat South Africa. Uh, The Lions were beaten by South Africa A, so South Africa A are. The best, team <laughs> the best team in the world. World champions. Yeah, yeah world sense. champs. There you go. <laughs> I mean, um, so that, that South African A team was basically South Africa. Yeah. Can I just say one of my favourite moments of the whole thing happened before kickoff, and it was the camera cutting to and lingering for a long time on Duan van der Merwe during the South African national anthem. <laughs> and you could see he just glanced out the corner of his eye. He knew he was on the big screen. Yeah. Did, Poor you, fella. did you see the comments in the week that was uh, Duan van der Merwe? celebrated South Africa's win over England in the 2019 World Cup final, which probably every Scotsman would have celebrated. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's hardly a, sh- I mean, a shock. Yeah, it's a yeah. hardly shock. The one that would have statement. been... Yeah, but more, more interesting than what Duan van der Merwe did uh, during the World Cup final would have been Chris Harris. Was he a Scot? No, he was a Scotland international by then. He was a Scot, because he played in the World Cup. Oh, he Cup. played in the World Cup, of course. But yeah, he... It's an interesting one because he was a, an English player, born and raised in, in Cumbria, Newcastle player, but then obviously now a, a Scotsman for the country. But who would he have been supporting in that game? Certainly any, any Scottish uh, true Scots would have yeah. been supporting South Africa. I'll tell you who was definitely South African was the TMO, who got a lot of talk, talking points. We need to talk about this. Right. Before yeah. the game, Marius Jonker got announced and everyone just went, mm, really? I hate this chat. I, I mean, what was the point in having professional officials... If we think just because they were born in a certain country, they're now going to be horribly biased. Uh, it doesn't make any sense, particularly as you've got foreign nationals refing for different national associations. So, um, JP Doyle, I think he's Irish, but he gets to ref Ireland because... Does he? Yes, because he is an English referee. Has he ever refereed Ireland? I'm not sure about well, that. Well, I tell you who has ref their, ref, ref their country. Alan, is Alan Roland. Oh, when was that? Uh, he turned the Irish French, isn't ah, he? No, I, I was thinking of um, oh, what's the guy? The guy with the hair, with the tattoo. With the tattoo. Steve Walsh. Steve Walsh. Yeah. Then he who controls himself controls the game. Yes. So he says. Well, so uh, Marius Jonker actually had some massive decisions to make, and I remember yeah. I, I was thinking before the game. Oh, I just hope there isn't big decisions because either he's going to be given a load of stick by or the, the World Rugby are going to get given a load of stick by Lions fans that are disappointed, or he's going to get a load of stick from South Africans for sti- yeah. stitching up his uh, home country, which I think, on balance, is... Well, so devil's advocate position, discuss. Lions definitely got the better of the big decisions. I just think he called it... Well, the Colby one was the one which I paid most attention to. I think he just got it right. I just think he saw what... He called what he saw. That was pretty so, clear cut. Yeah, yeah. So, so there's three decisions in the second half. Two, one was given as a try, which was the FAF try, and there was, yep. a f- there was potential knock-on from Peter Steff to Toy, uh, and it might he have been it. Mpimpe. He missed but, it. Yeah, yeah that, that yeah. was... It was the correct decision. Yeah. There was the uh, Dialande try, which all... The run-up was all fine, but the initial uh, try to collect with Liam, between Liam Williams and Colby, that was definitely a knock-on from Colby, so he got that correct... The one that was questionable was the Willie LaRue try. The kick, kick through um, by, I think it was Am. Um, now, at the time, that looked in real time, that looked like he was offside. 
when you slowed it down, um, and we've got a few referees in the room here, so I might get some, uh, some frowns or <laughs> shake, shaking of the head. Yeah. When you sh- slowed it down, um, the player who kicked the ball was definitely behind um, Willie LaRue. But the ball, I think, was at least level or possibly slightly in front of Willie LaRue. What was the infringement given for by Yonker? Was I, it four think, offside? I think it was given as, yeah. Because there was of, a possible forward kicker. pass from Diolande to Am. Yeah, I think the, the pass was fine. It was a possible, I think the pass was fine. I think it was the, the kick that the decision oh. was made on. And I think that, if I was a South African fan, I'd be, I'd saying, be, livid. I'd be saying, I think the ball was level with Because the LaRue. referee's on-field decision was try. Yes. So it has to be conclusive to overturn an on-field decision. Correct. Marius Jonker, I think this is where you're saying, what does it matter? I think this is where it matters. Because I'm telling you, Marius Jonker could not have not had in his mind, uh-oh. Yeah, if I, don't, if I give this if ag- I, if, if I give against this the Lions. Because yeah. he overturned an on-field decision and it was not conclusive. Uh, I just think that these guys are professionals. and I, you know, yeah, I, I, I just prefer to see the best. I am happy with the decision. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, very happy with the decision. Yeah. Delighted, yeah. delighted with it. Yeah, but yeah that, 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 I mean, those, those three incidents, obviously Lions won. Oh, there was a tip tackle from Hamish Watson as well. There was. Yeah, why is that? That should have been a yellow. Obviously, Did, compensa- obviously let the voice comp- play. Well, no, he's obviously <laughs> compensating for his lack of size. Um, <laughs> Recklessly tip, tips up a South African, off, yellow card. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was an interesting one. I, I was okay with that just being a penalty. Uh, obviously, that, wearing my it, Lions it, glasses. Maybe we can give Marius Jonker a bit of a... I mean, I'm happy with the decision, but maybe South Africans should cut him a bit of slack until their broadcasting quality gets <laughs> into the 21st century. Because yeah. the camera angles they've got and the lack of replays and stuff, it's been awful. Or is it sort of French broadcast quality? No, well, the, but no, it wouldn't have been on this one, would it? The French, because the French have they have all the angles in the world. Yeah, yeah. But when they, when they, they need when they need oh, them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you're doing a slow motion shot of uh, Untermac Anyone, strutting anytime. around or, or Dupont strutting around, they've got incredible ultra high definition shots of that. Every angle, every single angle. But if there's a, p- a possibility that. Um, there was a French infringement or someone has done something untoward. There is never, ever, ever an never, angle of never. that. goes missing. <laughs> so there's a lot of talk about changes for next week and we'll get onto those. But I would say, uh, one, cameraman, give us more, give us more <laughs> angles and more replays. <laughs> uh, cam- cameraman director, TMO, make it neutral and the groundsman, hmm. sort yourself out. Because that picture is getting carved up. The, the, yeah, but it, it's going to be the same picture, isn't it? Or it's, it's certainly in, in Cape Town because there are multiple... Stadium. No, I think but it's, it's all, all three in the same place. Yeah. So here's a question for you. What do you think you got wrong about your initial prediction and compare that to how the game panned out? Uh, I'll say straight away, I got a couple of things massively wrong. Uh, I was scared of the replacement South African front row. And I said, oh, we've got to be ahead after 50 minutes because they're yeah, going to murder 100%. us. 100%. And, yeah. and actually, that's part of what turned it for the Lions. They were great, were they? Is uh, them what? bringing on the replacement front row at half-time. Which, yeah. which was remarkable. Because they, they there's two things in this. There's... The, the decision to bring them on at half-time, which is, it, it read, to me, like a pre-planned strategy that they were going to do that, because the first half, South Africa were totally dominant, and their front row, the, guy, the three guys they replaced, were a key cornerstone of that dominance, and they totally changed it at half-time, and it's great to look back with hindsight, but... That seemed like a turn. It certainly felt like, and the scoreline dictates it as a turning point in the game. It sh- should have been read the game, leave them another five minutes, another ten minutes, and then change things up. But there's, there's that angle. But also, 
I was a little bit concerned about perhaps the weakness or the inability of the Lions bench to change the game. And they all did it. They all added impetus and positivity, certainly more than their South African counterparts. I was actually surprised how Gatlandy the whole performance was. So I was expecting them to come out and play a little bit like Scotland when they you know, start throwing it about and Finn, uh, you know, and Finn Russell is controlling things, even though Finn, Finn Russell wasn't playing. And it wasn't like that at all. It was proper Gatland style, stay in the fight, stay in the fight, and then eventually snatch it. Snatch it at the end. I, I did not see that coming for the life of me. Well, the other, stupid, the other thing I got totally wrong at the time is when they got the penalty just after, just at the start of the second half. I was like, "What are you doing? Take the points!" Yeah, take yeah, the points. Yeah. They backed themselves, went for it, and fair play. That's fair why. That's why I'm sat here, and Alan Wynne Jones is is out there. Exactly, and, and that's why having Luke Cowan Dickey is obviously key to that, is because that is an Exeter way of playing. That is back yourself, go for the corner, and execute and do it, and they did. Now, now who is the best? Who is the better player here? Is it Courtney Laws or is it Peter Stephensoy? Because those two were the two best players, oh. I think, on either. Maybe Itoji. Oh, Itoji was a, Itoji was a head and shoulders above everyone. And oh, I, I, what, for the Lions? Well, or for, so I, I think the on, the, on the field, the guy's Peter just Ste- ridiculous. Peter Stephensoy is also ridiculous. What was ridiculous about Mario Itoji? The guy's a, an absolute freak. But what he was doing yesterday that he wasn't doing, uh, that he hasn't done for England sometimes, is he was just... Absolutely, his decision making was on the money. You know those silly penalties he's been giving away. Yeah, yeah, in the Six Nations. None of that. He was just on the money. You could see the cogs turning as he was on it. Well, but, he's always on the edge. Yeah, and, you know, it's one of those things. Like if you're on the edge and it all goes your way, you're going to be brilliant because well, you are. But occasionally there'll be a ref that just doesn't like what you're doing and you'll get pinged. For a championship player, he's pretty decent. Yeah, he's right. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought so. Marrow got the uh, man of the match Did yesterday. He? Yeah. <laughs> I thought it could have been either Marrow or Laws. I thought both of them were just outstanding. And, and Laws, like, his line-out work was exceptional. His running, which is not something you particularly think, but he was making metres, big carries, and big carries in open space. And then just his, his hits and his work around the breakdown. So interesting, that's something they've worked on at, North, at Northampton under Boyd, which is trying to get into the wider channels. Although, having said that, I didn't see him in any wider channels. But he he said, did make that great break in the yes, yeah. second half. He yeah. has said that... Uh, when Eddie Jones took over at England, he said to him, "Work on your ball carrying. Work on your ball carrying. Mm. Get I working." I really on know him. how you do that, though. I mean, you either are massive and can carry a ball, or <laughs> well, you're he, not. Is, he is massive and can carry. A... That's but, yeah, yeah. But so how does he get more massive? So one of the things certainly that, that I've noticed when he was younger was he was quite upright in contact. Mm. Be, I mean, being six foot seven, it, it probably more than, not that no, but it would be probably more <laughs> difficult to get a lower you, body position. Do into you not contact. think on, on Itoji? Do you not think yesterday there was sort of Shades of McCaw in his prime when just everything he did just made huge moments and big impacts. So I Ah. I think there is something in that. And the because when you compare it back to the Six Nations for England and the decisions were going against him, and some of it was he was making bad decisions, but some of it were 50 50 calls. Oh, yeah, the cloak of invisibility. Yeah, yeah, so this time I think there is a bit of that. Yeah, yes, definitely. that's exactly right. So if you can get away with things which other people can't because he's Mario, it must be legal because Mario's doing it. Yeah. So yesterday in the sevens, um, I've got a theory. <laughs> I've got a theory. That I, 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 just, just before we carry on, I just want to just, let's just take in the moment. JB is talking about the elite level sport and we're taking it back to the North Dorset yeah, sevens. Yeah. Go on, Jay. Uh, our, our, our winger, Hugo, who got 10 tries. My theory is he scored one try when he ran really fast. And then after that, no one bothered chasing him because they thought he was fast. So it's kind of like, it's kind of like the Maro thing. Like, oh, Hugh's got the ball. Don't bother. It must be really hard for Irish 
Welsh and Scots because I, I love the fact I get to support all these guys that usually do we're you? cheering against. No, I do. I genuinely do like it. I like, okay. I like the fact that Stuart Hogg's on a team I can cheer for. Exeter, but, you love Exeter. But if I, but if I was, uh, I do love Exeter as yeah. well. But if I was um, like Scottish, you get to cheer for Mario Toji. But in the back of your mind, you're like, oh god, they don't like it. Do got they? to hand him back in a few weeks because <laughs> <laughs> he is just ridiculous. Yeah. Can I just um, just change the subject quickly and uh, just talk about the the broadcast um, from Sky? Ronan O'Gara had the most Ronan O'Gara backdrop oh, ever. Yeah. Did you notice it? Yeah, oh, no, you were so playing rugby. Yeah, we we didn't get we didn't get much of the sound, so we didn't see. We saw the game, but not right. much of the the, the so, stuff besides. <laughs> so Ronan O'Gara was sat at home, obviously, and he was in front of a a wall planner, a massive wall planner like calendar. Yeah, and it was completely empty. There's nothing in it. <laughs> nothing wow. written in the wall planner. So a bit upset I missed the broadcast yesterday because um, one of my favourite things is finding out what Will Greenwood's wearing. Uh, did, <laughs> was he wearing anything good? Yeah, I couldn't tell if he was wearing chinos or tracksuit bottoms with his blazer. And I, I'm, not, I'm not one to talk today, but yeah. Absolutely. Ecle- eclectic. And, he, and he just, he's gone for the... Like, uh, it's like he's just tr- started training for the Marines and just had all his hair shaved off. Is he all, I just want to check... It, is he, is Someone he okay? just check in, is he alright? Someone's asking him if he's okay twice. <laughs> in rapid succession. JB, are you okay? Are you okay? No, but are you really no, okay? Are you okay? <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, what, what was the broadcast like? No, oh, it was good. I mean, obviously, I oh, was. You can't say anything, can obviously, you? the, the talk sport coverage was outstanding. Yes, that's, that's what I would be focused yeah, on. Yeah. The commentary from James Haskell with, uh, with Ben Kay. Absolutely. And what time yeah. is the, talk, the, the best talk sport show on? Oh, it's on, it's on daily uh, at five till six. Mm, or, very yeah. good. Very like good. Lions Daily and in podcast form, wherever you get yours. <laughs> yeah. Wherever you listen to the Egg Chasers Ruby podcast, of course. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, a, f- a few other moments I absolutely loved um, when Mako gave Col- uh, Cheslin Colby a helping hand up. Yeah. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't see this. Great. I mean, just uh, Colby got tackled into touch and Mako just, like he was picking up a feather just picked up Colby yeah <laughs> up onto his feet it was great do, do you know who was playing a little bit oh, kind of like himself but more so uh, I thought he kind of not lost his lost his head a bit but um, Etzeba he was very niggly yesterday. first half he was massive he was great yeah I mean no it, he's massive generally you know what I mean but yeah, but yeah it, it is sort of, it's like he's just, he was on the on the edge of giving away silly penalties is but, what I thought but it, it was like, you contrast the first half and the second half the first half, he was, he was massive and disruptive. And then the second half, like if, you, if you look at um, the Luke Cowan-Dickey try, the drive, the drive him all try, had that not have been a try, it could very easily have been a penalty try yes, under the post yes. and a yellow card for either Etzebeth or Mostert, who were both, like, hang, they'd come round the back, they're hanging off the back, just like, bringing the whole thing down. This were wild. They were lucky, they were very lucky that that, that was a try. Uh, what do you make of Tom Kerry's performance yesterday? Bit mixed. Ooh, not great. I, th- not great. I, thought, not great. I thought he was all right. I thought he was all right. I've seen a lot of criticism of it, but what? what, what? By his standards, by yeah, his, by his standards yeah. not great. I and I, I, I think, think you're right. I think the, I think I think he was quite quiet. Um, but also the, the stupid no arms, um, slightly late hit on Faf. That he got lucky with that. that yeah. In a different different case, if you, I mean, with a tackle like that. If he makes any contact with Faf's head, it's a red card because you're going in with a no-arm tackle after the ball's gone. It's just a stupid, needless thing to do. Um, but yeah, it, it wasn't the best game by his incredible high standards. Yeah, um, yeah, I agree. Yeah, and there was, 
There's a few... Um, besides besides um, Marrow and Laws, I thought Ty Furlong was incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought Conan had a really good game. He, when, he, when he got opportunities in the wild, wide channels, um, which is what he's obviously there to do, he was really, really good. And Charlotte sure decent. Henshaw, a couple of mistakes. Couple yeah. the, the break was great, but then he loses it in the tackle to yeah, William LaRue. Right. Um, I'd forgotten about that one, yeah. Daly, obviously, massively shaken by that Lucano Am hit, early, which was an awesome, awesome hit. But there, there wasn't a huge amount of incredible performances by the Lions. The, I, I, I think you've already highlighted it. There were the replacements, so Ken Owens and Mako Vanapolo yeah. and Carl Sinclair when they came on were all great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so... Yeah, they were all great. Really encouraging. Hog, Hog did very well. Duan, Duan's one for me. He would, he was, I wouldn't have started Duan. And he, you saw in that game the, the promise and power and ability he has going forward, on, only on a couple of occasions. He handed but, off Etzebeth a couple of times. Yeah, but you also saw the weaknesses under the high ball, and I think people targeted him a little bit. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, we'll, we can get on to what we would change for next week in a minute. Yeah. But um, I don't know, does anyone remember JB's game that he invented years ago the most the most talked about game that we've ever had on the podcast it got got us nominated for a we we, we got nominated for a a a UK radio uh, podcasting award based based on the strength of this based on the strength of this um, Springbok versus Nazi war criminal We get two people to play Springbok. Or yeah, I've, I've got another round. I think I think we should get two people to play, and we've got we've been uh, kindly gifted by uh, one of our friends who used to work for World Rugby a uh, a Rugby World Cup sevens. That's where it's sevens tournament. A Rugby World Cup sevens ball signed by the captains of uh, all the teams that were in it in South in South Africa in San Francisco, San Francisco. in 2018. Just get that little dead thing off it. So uh, <laughs> two volunteers want to come up and play Springbok versus Nazi War Criminal for a ball. Yeah, come on. <laughs> Any two, to get, get yourself up here. Who goes up? Anyone else? Anyone at the back? Dave. Come on, Dave. Come on, Dave. And oh, if, um, Dave Mack. Dave Mack will love this. JB and, JB and Phil, if you, <laughs> yeah. if you just hold your thing so you can... Yeah, Roger. That. Yeah, yeah. Come up. Get up. Get up. Come up. <laughs> Shirt off. Shirt off. You <laughs> <laughs> loved it, didn't you? <laughs> Do you remember Dave from Madrid? I beat him three times at pint racing. <laughs> I remember Dave from Madrid. I don't you remember, remember that. Do you remember me beating him three times at pint racing? I don't remember that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Staggering himself. Well played. Right. Language. Right. If you stand next, one he stands next to Phil, one he stands next to JB. So, um, first player, Wilhelm Bruch. Wilhelm Bruch. Was Wilhelm Bruch part of Razzie's bomb squad or part of Adolf's bomb squad? <laughs> Adolf's bomb squad on that one. Adolf. Razzie. Okay, so Hugo's going for... Nazi war. Nazi war criminal. <laughs> and uh, Dave? Dave? Dave. Dave's going for Springbok. Hugo 1-0. Uh, yes. Nazi. Is there anything he can't do? <laughs> <laughs> Next one. Heinrich Boer. Heinrich Boer. Was Heinrich Boer a proponent of the blitz attack or the blitz defence? Dave, you go first. Dave, you first. Blitz D. Blitz defence. I was going to say that as well. Can I go for that? Yeah, you can go for Springbok. You're both going for Springbok. You're both wrong. Nazi again. Saw action on the Eastern Front. Uh, Next one. Tom Van Vollenhaven. 
Tom van Vollenhaven. Does Tom van Vollenhaven have nightmares thinking about D-Day or sweet dreams thinking about Damien Dialande? <laughs> Hugo. Sweet dreams. Hugo, uh, da- you're going yeah. for Springbok. Springbok, yeah. What about you, Dave? Uh, Nazi war criminal. Uh, Hugo, 2-0. Oh. Springbok, get this. Um, Tom van Vollenhaven, Springbok, seven caps for South Africa before switching codes and moving to the UK to play for St. Helens where he scored 392 tries in 408 appearances and in 2000 was inducted into the Rugby League Hall of Fame. Wow. 408 appearances. Wow. So almost Hugo levels of try scoring. <laughs> um, so two to go. Hugo's 2-0 up. You first, Dave, on this one. Wolfgang Otto. Was Wolfgang Otto part of the most evil empire ever? Or... Was he a Nazi? <laughs> <laughs> Dave. Uh, definitely a Nazi. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go for that as well. Am I allowed to? Yeah. You can oh, do what you want. You can do what you want. <laughs> uh, you're both correct. Ooh. They were both... Uh, Wolfgang Otto was part of the most evil empire ever. He was a Nazi. And uh, <laughs> final one, Sid Demelka. Sid Demelka, did he get his wings with the Luftwaffe or play on the wing for the Bocker? Plays on the wing for the Bocker. Uh, Nazi. Okay. It's, it's a 3-0 whitewash oh. for Hugo. Oh. Yeah. Get this though, Sid Demelka, Sid Demelka, two caps for the Springboks between 1903 and 1906, was married to Daisy Demelka, who was a notorious serial killer. Really? Yeah. What? What? She killed her two previous husbands by poisoning them. Wow. And he went. He went in for more. Sid was all right. Wow. <laughs> I know. Uh, thank you very much and uh, well he's got all the tries he's got all the glory and now he's got himself a rugby world cup ball nice one good good stuff nice one Dave nice one Hugo hey I'm Ryan Reynolds recently I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes and then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts they said what the f*** are you talking about you insane hollywood ass so to recap we're cutting the price of mint unlimited from 30 dollars a month to just 15 dollars a month give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch 45 dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees promote for new customers for limited time unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows full terms at mintmobile.com hey there it's michelle norris i'm host of a podcast called your mama's kitchen when i travel i'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when i'm not at home and one of the things i love to do when i am at home is entertain and airbnb allows me to do that when i was in california recently i rented a house that had a great kitchen and when we were sitting around the table we're all thinking we're in someone else's house someone could be in all of our homes as well if you have a home but you're not always at home you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Just in uh, doing the research for that, I did, uh, I, I was looking back at old... Is this why my YouTube algorithm is full of Nazis now? <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> maybe. Um, it makes up for the fact that I've got to put up with... I now get my... Because we share... A U- we've got the same YouTube channel. I, I now uh, have to watch... Actually, one thing I've noticed is I'm, it keeps suggesting a lot of women's CrossFit videos. <laughs> <laughs> I like watching women lift. I like watching them all lift. <laughs> no, in doing the research for that, I, I was looking at former Lions Tours to South Africa 
And there's some phenomenal people that used to play rugby. Well, there's phenomenal people that play rugby now, but rugby yeah. in particular, there's just some amazing people. In the amateur era. Peter, Kid, uh, Peter Kidner Stagg was a Scottish international. He's 79, still, still alive, played for Sale. Did he? Yeah. Mm. 28 caps for Scotland, three for the British and Irish Lions, six foot ten lock. Son of Sir James Stagg, who was the senior meteorologist for Operation Overlord, the D-Day landings in Normandy. And he played for, and I, I had no idea about this, there's a rugby team that play called the Anti-Assassins. Mm. Have yes. you heard about these, Phil? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you guys yeah, know yeah, about yeah. this. So they're North West, but I don't know, I don't know what the name is about. I don't, I don't know much about them, really. Well, the, I know their motto. They're a charity team. That, mm. basically, it sounds like they just have a good old knees up. Their, their motto is Semper Mores Boni, which means good behaviour always. No. I just reckon you, <laughs> you, you know they're good, good on the beers. Yes, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. And Stuart Lancaster has played for them. And Ian McGeekin and Mark Eller. And Rona O'Brien from Broughton Park. Well, we, <laughs> we need to look into this because yeah. uh, we need to look into... So just, just one last one forces stuff, two things. So we were joined yesterday by future Jamaican Sevens greats uh, as a notional Sevens coach, Jamal Ford-Robinson. That was cool. That was very cool, yeah. yeah. So Jamal came down... It's not cool that most people didn't know who he was, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, that's a great, great point. People are asking, like, um, so do you play rugby still? Uh, and then one person said, what, do you play centre or back row? He said, I'm a tight prop. But yeah, yeah. He wasn't, um, he wasn't as recognised as I expected. England A tighted prop as well. Exactly yeah. right. Oh, actually, not England A. Ink- oh, hang on. No, he was on the bench for the, for the Argentina test last time to proper England. Oh, wow. Yeah, he, yeah he's, got, he's, he's got a... Um, a full yeah. cap. I was going to say a full match fee, because that's more important. <laughs> very, yeah. very much more important. So the reason that I bring that up is because Gloucester, in their training this year, have separated all of their players out into four different groups. And each of these groups is uh, an ex-Gloucester player, but is also a veteran. And then on Monday, they have to go in and deliver a presentation on the guy who their group is named, who their group is named after. Ah, uh, okay, so they're kind of learning and disseminating the history of the club exactly, through that. Exactly, exactly, and people who pre- previously played at Gloucester. And the other thing, so when we were trying to build the Sevens team, uh, as Captain Lee will tell you, um, <laughs> difficult. We would get three, and then we'd lose two, and then we'd get another two, we'd lose one, and then we'd lose four and find five. Uh, it was just an absolute nightmare. And the RAF nearly helped us out. They sent us three guys, and they all flaked. The RAF flaked. And do you know who... <laughs> So, uh, then picked up the slack and then played for our sevens and our tens. 35-year-old Royal Marine. So that's why we've got a, uh, mm. ro- um, a, a, royal Naval, uh, a Royal Navy top here. So, we're gonna, so, so until, awesome. until they redeem themselves, we're taking down the Air Force jersey in the dungeon and putting up a Royal Navy one. Burn it. <laughs> <laughs> Burn it. <laughs> done, done with them. Yeah. Uh, Matt Warwick, what a guy. What, what a guy. What a player as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some, some engine on the boy. Uh, a, a six foot... Th- uh, what is it right here? Six foot three? Yeah, about that. Six foot three, 35 years old. An absolute nightmare. Yeah. An absolute nightmare. You would not want to be anywhere near him with a rugby ball. Incredible engine. Incredible work ethic. <laughs> Han- handsome as well. Yeah. Handsome. handsome. He was handsome, wasn't he? And charming. Do you yeah. know, he reminded me of a really, ham- a really handsome version of Sea Gypsy. <laughs> 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 which is which is one of our which, which, which ben, is one of our players. Our incredible, incredible performance from Ben on the wing yesterday. Back in four, four tries. No, I, I think Ben didn't tell us he was coming, did he? No, he just showed up. So remember Ben from London, right? Yeah. Okay. 
we've got a group. We're asking for players, and he never puts his name forward. He just showed up in his camper van with boots and a, boots, boots, boots in the back. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing stuff. And then scored two tries. Four tries. Four tries? God, You're... I got six. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. <laughs> So, next week then, let's turn our attention forward a week and uh, the second test. And um, I don't know, do you remember the Ian McGeekin speech? I can't remember, is it the 97 Living with Lions documentary where they win and he, and he, he gives the talk to the team and says, a wounded animal is... Um, just fights for every last breath and that's, yeah. that's when they're at their most dangerous when, mm. they're, when they're wounded and we've, we've wounded the Springboks but they're going to come back with a frenzy and we've got a take them by the jugular and just kill them yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think, I think the Lions can and will be thinking exactly the same way yeah, you, they, they, can end, they can you end this series next week. You can't let it go to three tests. No. Uh, the, 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 you've, got, no. you've got to do it next week, but it will, it will not be easy because South Africa, one of the things that they've struggled in both the, the A game and this game was match fitness. Evidently, they've, they've now got more matches under their belts. They will improve that and they will have learned a little bit think... around the, the strategy of, of replacements as well. This is just the problem to my head. Do you think the team selection of the slightly smaller, more athletic boys was actually in relation to match fitness? Well, Potent- you, do you, see what you I mean? say that yeah. which, which small, apart from Quagga Smith, Quagga Smith's an who, obvious who one. didn't have a great Mo- game. Mostart, Mostart's Mostart. not a big man. Well, he is a big man. He's not as big as um, no, Lude, 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 who's not, Lude, who's not, not a big Lude. man. He's not a big man. But the front row, were, the, <laughs> but the front row, whilst they're smaller, were more effective. Yeah, yeah. But I wonder if that was a fitness thing. I wonder if they, yeah, were, more, they were more because the, you know so, Kitsoff's massive and he needs to be in shape at the well, top of his game to be playing. Certainly, definitely the decision around Malherb. I was, I think, yeah. it was for that reason. Yeah, because he, he he started the World Cup final. He certainly was for a long period of time the cornerstone of that pack, the starting tight head. But I mean, I'm not sure. I'm not saying that's the thing. But I'm just fitness, saying, I fitness wasn't the reason that Sinclair, not Sinclair, uh, Mako did a job on him. No, 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 no. Mako did a job because he's a very, very good prop. I'm just wondering if that was, So I thought that Springboks would come out with their biggest, most enormous pack, and they didn't. They came out with something very big. So very would you just go massive next week, as big as you possibly can? Depends on you know, how they're training, how fit they are, all those sort, sort of things. Well, this, is, this is part of the problem. I don't think they can change too much, because who have they got that's match fit? If you're saying match fitness is an issue, they've been limited with games. They haven't, well, there's, look, there's not many players that you can bring in. There must be an element of they're very happy with the guys because they've retained them and they've let go a lot of... Other very good guys who are much fit. There's no two ways about it. Like the Dupree twins, for instance, are fit and they're no longer about. Uh, Kunisto Hazen is fit and he's been sent back to sale too. So they must obviously be, well, they are clearly, uh, cl- clearly fit enough to play. So I don't know. Jasper Visa for Quagga Smith. I don't know if they might make a change there. Possibly. Possible. Possible. Yeah. The, the moment there was always talk of him potentially making the third test, wasn't there? But yes. I, I mean, it's only a week apart, the, the second and third test. So if he's fit, they might look to get him back in, both, both for the, um, the size element, because he's, well, he's, he's listed as about 22 kilos heavier than Quagga Smith. I don't think that's quite right. But, um, that's, it could I, be. It, it could possibly be. It could but well be. but the, as well as the size, there's a leadership aspect. And you, you saw from the Lions, and I don't know if this was coming directly from Alan Wynne-Jones, but the, the team... Uh, Right across the board, there was an element, in, certainly in that first half, of like, don't panic. Like, 
we are getting paid at the moment, but kind of almost like trust the system type thing. Mm. That it's got to come from the leadership. And um, someone like Dwayne Vermalen, who's been there and done it, can bring that, that kind of ap- attitude. Yeah, I, I don't know how South Africa look at it. They look at the, maybe they just go back and look at the first half and go, we were doing everything we needed to do, do more of that. Or, as you pointed out, they've got absolutely electric backs who, who did absolutely nothing except they, kick chase. Yeah, they, they were not getting ball in hand except for kick chasing. But then, like, you look at the game again and you look at those two disallowed tries and you say, like, they, they are incredibly fine margins. If one of those goes to hand or it, Willie LaRue is half an inch backwards or it's a slightly different TMO that Lions could have won by 10 points oh, sorry South Africa could have won by 10 points with mm-hmm. the finest of margins so maybe they don't need to change anything but maybe there is just a little bit around the the utilisation of the bench at the right time rather than the pre-planned time yeah and, and the bench and the um, match fitness discussions I think you can bear that out I think a stat I heard yesterday it's something like it's been four years since South Africa last lost the second half, and that mm. was wow. That was to England six three. So <laughs> they usually get stronger as games go on, as we saw in the World Cup final, for example, when yeah. when they absorbed all the pressure and then just yeah, off, off, yeah. Off, and off it was they went. it was nineteen five in the second half, wasn't it? So nah. it was, but it, it could have been with those two tries. It could have been nineteen all so in the second half. That World Cup final would have been the last game they played. So this. The first game they played since the World Cup final. Yeah, right? and by the way, you, you've had the chance to parade two trophies, uh, oh, you know, in front of the players that you won it with, uh, the trifle bowl and the and the trophy. Um, they haven't had a chance to well, take their tro- their World Cup winning trophy in front of their fans. That's only, only something that really dawned on me yesterday. Yeah. Well. So just on that, okay. So their World Cup win, um, obviously that six-year figure sounds very impressive. You think actually they've not played for two years, but, <coughs> but on the on, on the fitness stuff, interestingly, was under. Alad Walters who's now at Leicester yeah he's now at Leicester and he's, he's actually renowned as a, as a great conditioning coach uh, by the way the Air Force offended and scrambling got no idea <laughs> scrambling a chopper <laughs> yeah so South Africa I don't think they'll change that much I think they'll keep it broadly similar I think Vermaelen if, if he's fit they will bring him in yeah um, 100% but yeah I don't think they'll change much in, in terms of personnel they might be, and I have seen some calls in the uh, South African press today for like actually using the backs a bit more, getting Mpimpi and Colby with ball this, in hand rather this than... This is what we get with Phil. <laughs> Phil looks at the South African press as well. That's the prep he does, even when he's hanging. Well, I glanced over a few headlines. <laughs> Don't ask me for any in-depth analysis of it, of the writing. Um, so yeah, maybe, but perhaps not. The, the more interesting thing is what, what do the Lions do differently? Yeah, and this seems counterintuitive after a great win. I think Warren Gatland will make several changes. Because well, I think he will as well. There's, there's one obvious one for me, but I would have done it before, and that's... I would have had... Uh, well, I any, definitely will have. Any changes? Any suggestions? Yeah. yeah. Liam Williams that's, in. That would be my 100%. first. 100%. That would be my first one. For, yeah. for, for Iron Do. Yes. Yeah. For, Mainly because away. if South Africa... I don't think South Africa can, are going to change... So if that's what they're going to do, get Liam Williams for the, for the kick returns and the aerial. Yes. Yeah. Big, well, yeah, the big, bigger is you one know, to watch. I, you know. Yeah, and Bigger's had a few HIAs recently as well. Like, it was in, even in this, yeah. this season in the run-up to, so, to the Lions. I'm an enormous Dan Bigger fan. I thought Farrell looked like... He looked like the, a fly-half to beat South Africa. I don't know why. I just think in that test he looked very, very, very assured. 
I wouldn't be adverse to swapping those two. Yeah, I mean, I, again, I just want, I just want to, to let's just let that fun. hang in the air for yeah. a moment. <laughs> a compliment <laughs> for Owen Farrell. For well, JB. I mean, hey, look, hey, he's that determined. He gave Dan Baker the HIA. You respect that. I do respect that. Yeah. In a way. <laughs> so I, I would, I would keep bigger to start. Um, I could, I'd, I would maybe look at changing up the centres a little bit, um, and maybe putting Farrell at twelve. Yeah, he's got a choice there. I, I think mm. he might, may make a change in the centre. I do like Farrell at 12. Yeah. Because he could bring Chris Harrison out at 13. Possibly. Yeah, I, I think that, that might change. I think another one that could do um, might change the nines round. So Ali Price... Conor Murray did look good when he came on, didn't he? And Conor Murray calmed things down a little bit. Yeah, and Ali, Ali Price, didn't, in a game like that, he didn't get to showcase like, his running ability, which, is, which yeah. is why he's there. So I get that. I just don't think he... I, I see why Ali Price is, is playing, because he's the best scrum half on tour. Yeah, he's definitely had the best form. He's yeah, been 100%. Stuck. He deserves, uh, he deserves his shots. But, you know, as a guy who moves the ball quickly, as a guy who does the running, Gareth Davis has to be a guy. I know. But if that's what you want. Yeah. I don't know. There's something. He's hardly played any minutes. No. Um, it's, not like Gat- and it's not like Gatlin doesn't know who he is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's an uh, interesting one. Uh, so any changes in the forwards? No. Well, Sutherland? Wynne Jones could be fit again. I think loose head prop will change. Yeah. I think, I think Sutherland didn't do anything majorly wrong, but I just think Mako was that good when he came on, and Wynne Jones will be back in. You're not tempted to call it Marcus Smith yet? <laughs> <laughs> no. For, for, if, if we're 2-0 up going into the third test... Oh, I'm Marcus Let Smith. the boys play. Let the boys play. If, yes, if, if we're 2-0 up, then you want to start uh, Gareth Davis... Finn Russell and Marcus Smith at 12. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> now you're Sam Simmons at 13. So, on, Mar- on, 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 on Marcus Smith, um, who is Neil Francis? <laughs> oh, yeah. Neil. So, the Irish Independent, which is very, very different from the Independent in the UK. Is it? The Irish Independent's more like a uh, bit more Daily Maily. Okay. They'll sort of go for the odd little shop story, they'll go for a bit of controversy. Um, and Neil Francis, cantankerous, deliberately no, I don't argumentative, it, yeah. likes ruffling feathers. I don't know if this is I fair. I don't know anyone like that. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if this is fair. I've heard he's the Irish Stephen Jones. That's probably, probably. a good That's what shout. I've heard. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I don't know. I, I've, I've never heard his stuff. And he made a comment on a podcast. Uh-oh. Uh, it's, it's nice that people listen. <laughs> Oompa Loompa. Tam. Tam. Yeah, he's... he's yeah. He kind of criticised him for his floppy hair and then umpa lumpa tan. I mean, I could say, for example, that's an umpa lumpa coloured jacket you got on JB. Well, you'd be wrong. <laughs> I would be wrong. But no, what? A, yeah, ridiculous. And so he's lost his job. Yeah. So first thing on this is, well, his analysis of Marcus Smith is wrong. It's wrong on many le- levels. Number one, he's describing he's describing Gavin Henson. I, I'm not saying that saying, saying that's a joke. He actually is. So he's like a Harlequin's. Uh, a Harlequin's uh, fly half is the first criticism of him, as if playing for Harlequin's has some sort of quality in, um, in, in itself. I think he's thinking of Mark Smith as some sort of um, pure flair player, some, like a Finn Russell type thing. You mustn't have watched him, because Mark Smith can do all that stuff, and then a lot more, yeah. a lot, lot more. And it's actually... Um, people will often, because Marcus Smith can do all of the flair stuff, they often assume that that's all he has and he's like erratic at kicking or makes bad decisions or can be a bit flaky. And actually, Marcus Smith is none of those things. He, no. he is 
He has the flair in his locker, but he has the all-rounder. He can do absolutely everything. And he's, he's kicking um, in this season, particularly for Quinns, and in the run-up to the final and in the final, was absolutely outstanding, metronomic. Like, yes. Like, bigger-esque or half-penny-esque in their absolute pomp. It'd be better to describe him as, like, Owen Farrell that can do things that Finn Russell does. If you, if you had a, the love child of Owen Farrell and Finn Russell, yeah. it would be kind of what I, what yeah. how you'd describe him. But here's the thing which I don't get, right? So... The, there's the, the, the racism angle to this, the umpa umpa tam. Okay, someone needs to be held accountable to that, perhaps. But it's the idea, and I've seen this uh, across a few outlets now, that because that podcast was recorded, they shouldn't have broadcast that, um, that phrase. They, they just should have, should have edited it out. So on the one hand, they want accountability for this thing, but on the other hand, they actually want people to edit this, this out so presumably Neil Francis would have got away with that because his mate Luke Fitzgerald cut out the clip. Also, well, that, that throws the responsibility onto probably some 21-year-old, yeah, low-paid low person who's just recording it and take it. And while these guys chunter away in a room and then go right, see you later, get do the hard work, get that up. Yeah, it, it's the most bizarre thinking because you know if a journalist had someone on the record and they said exactly that about Marcus Smith, you guarantee that they'd write it in the paper. So the idea that you'd edit it out of a podcast because, why well, he's, you know, he's your mate, or I don't well, really it, understand it. But there, there could be another angle, which is you... Because if this is um, an incident that is worthy of him being fired, then you can always edit it out, not put it out on the podcast, and then do the disciplinary proceedings behind the scenes. At so least, you could, you at could least do that then, anyway. At least then, it would, it would be being... Fired for the for what you do and the actions, not fired for the reaction. The reaction. The reaction. Yeah. It yes. Like, that's like me interviewing someone and them saying something a little bit edgy. I cut out that clip and then post it to their employer because like the left wing <laughs> podcast isn't on the left wing. Isn't it's Luke Fitzgerald's N- naming no names. Have you oh, yeah. ever cut out uh, anything <laughs> that anyone said? You have. Yeah, yeah. But wouldn't players have asked me to? Because I'm not in it to get get them in trouble. But they're not there with it. They're not there for their opinions or. Are they? The deal is that I don't get them in trouble or I'll get rid of the stuff which I think will get them in, in trouble. Or oh, so you've actually sort of said... Yeah, yeah, do you want uh, to say that? Do you, shall so I take that, that out? Yeah, oh, that's give, interesting. Yeah, so I'll, I'll give you an example. I had a player who was criticising the medical staff of a club um, quite heavily. And I was like, you don't want, to, don't want that. Yeah. Right, so get rid of that. Yeah. So, you know, that, but that player isn't there as a journalist, as a professional journalist of, like, say, 30 years. And if you're the... Um, who understands that when you hit record on something... Yeah, and he's there for yeah. his opinion. No, he's just, you know, so I think it's a, a different scenario. I, mm. what, what, that just reminds me, actually. I remember once... So one of the first sort of reporting-type gigs I had is I used to go to uh, the Old Trafford training ground at Carrington... Uh, sorry, the Manchester United training ground at Carrington to in, do a little one-on-one five-minute thing with Alex Ferguson. That's awesome. Pretty, every Friday before awesome. he went to the press thing. And it was just after the time that Kevin Keegan had done the... I love it if we beat them. Love it. Yeah. Just after that. How long ago was that? I was. That's I mean, mid nineties. Oh no 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 no. Hold on. No no no. It, it wasn't that. It was no, no, Kevin no. Keegan really no, no, no 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 no. It wasn't that. It was. It was Kevin Keegan had just come back. Yes. Uh, okay. So he'd just come back, and Fergie was going to be playing Kevin Keegan for the first time in years. Yes. Yeah. And and I clearly sort of hit record, did the chat, asked about the Keegan rivalry stuff, hit hit stop. Clearly hit stop. Thanks very much, Sir Alex. Oh, I bet you'll love it if you beat them, won't you? Love it. And he, he didn't clock that I'd stopped recording. And if I'd got him to sort of oh, laugh and joke no. about that and, or say it, that could have gone 
That could have been the whole build-up for the whole game. It could have been very different, couldn't it? It could have been. like, Imagine if the tabloids had got Sir Alex Ferguson (laughs) joking about the, we'll love it if we beat them, ahead of their first (laughs) match-up again. So, understandably... He's like such a soft. He was, he was. He's such a soft bloke. Or he, he was, you know, in those times. As soon as you hit record, boom, different person. Really? Mm. Yeah. So he obviously didn't know that I'd hit stop, and he said to me, "Get out." Did he? Yeah. He wow. went. He went. Get out and don't come back. Wow. Did, and, and then he and then he walked to his car. How? Why did he tell him to get out? And then... Because he thought I was trying to trap him and get a. Yeah. Like, try to get some try, clickbait. Trying to get a bit of clickbait. Ah. Trying to get him to say something that would become the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And would not put him in a good light. And uh, and he said, "Get out, don't come back." And mm. have you been back? I, I was, I was back the next week. But um, <laughs> <laughs> Steve, Steve Diamond used to say that to me like, on a weekly basis. Um, so I, fo- I, I walked after him. I, fo- I followed him and said, "Sir Alex, I, 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 I'd stopped, and it was, I was, I was just joking. I'm sorry, misjudgment on my part. Get out. Oh, wow. <laughs> don't come back." So anyway, I called up his sort of PA. In the week, and she said, "Oh, don't worry, just come back." And when I came back the next week and said, "Before I before I start, I just want to apologize. Get on with it, boy." That was it. <laughs> wow. But yeah, people are people can be. So the point, I guess, that was a long way of saying that these people that understand what a red button means when you hit record. Yeah. As he does. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I, I should have nowhere to hide. It's a funny one, isn't it? The Irish Independent obviously employ this guy to be a bit of a dickhead. Um, yeah, yeah, to rile people up a bit. Oh, hang on, you've, 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 you know, you've crossed the line here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. It is what it is. Yeah. But he does, it does show that he's, he doesn't, he's never watched Marcus Smith or certainly doesn't understand yeah. how he plays. That, if he's trying to um, post, pose him as all about the flair and not able to do the other side of things as well. That is exactly my biggest take away too. He clearly doesn't know a single thing about English rugby. One other little story that I saw, John Mitchell has, well, Eddie Jones has lost another... Coach. Yeah, now this is, this is interesting. John Mitchell is gone. So John Mitchell goes to Wasps, not as a, the top man, so working working Lee Blackett's but he has, team. It's not that he's been let go, he's chosen, he's chosen. to leave the Eng- yeah. England setup to go to be a one of one of a coaching team at Wasps. Well, presumably yeah. he's replacing Ian Costello. How is that his name? Well, Ian Costello is the defence coach. Yes, he's replacing him. And, and you've got, uh, there was talk about the... Quite, Ed, uh, Ed, Ed. Um, Doesn't matter. No, so Costello's gone. Ed Robinson. Uh, no, 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 not Ed Robinson. The, the, the attack coach, Martin Gleeson, was t- there was talk about him going to England. So, no, um, I'm sure Costello's gone to Munster or somewhere, somewhere yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So that would be a direct replacement for him. Where has Ed Robinson gone? I thought he was going to Wasps to do um, skills coaching. Skills coach. Anyway, mm, yeah. Yeah. anyway it's, just another, it just, it's just another coach leaving the England's, England's it, well, coaching team. And it's, it's the one coach who's actually been the consistent there for Eddie for pretty much all of his tenure. And it was, seemed like a weird appointment initially, and it worked at least to, to some extent from, from my perspective. So, it did. As I understand it, the England coaching philosophy, or Eddie's coaching philosophy, uh, he, he does do some coaching, you know, mm. but he likes to always have a, a different angle or a different person in camp to, to challenge, challenge the lads. And if you look at some of his coaching appointments of late, they're absolutely wild. So, you know, Ed Robinson would be one. At uh, uh, 27, I mean, coaching at Jersey. Yeah. I mean, they're not wild. I guess they're more, you know, they're, well, they're all over the place. Um, <laughs> they're not exactly mad appointments, because, like, Jason Riles is obviously a great Jason, coach. Uh, yeah, but, but, but actually but, showed up. It's all right. And it's it's just, who, whatever the coaching team is, it's just placeholder until Gatland. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. Uh, 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 uh. Uh, then there is, uh, well, what's his name? Can we just talk, 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 talk about them? 
John Mitchell. John, Mi- John Mitchell himself. Amor. I mean, a- Amor. Amor. Wise that Mantle. Is a, that that yeah. is a crazy selection. Hatley. Yeah. Well, at least Hatley's got a really good C- really good CV. But yeah, I mean, if you look at all of the coaches that England have brought in of late, and well, no, since sorry, since Eddie started. They're all completely different. There's no yeah. common theme. Well, it, it, here's what... Oh, go on, Phil. I, I was going to say, the, one of the most recent ones, an obvious, like, it is um, a very obvious choice, was uh, Proudfoot. After, uh, after the South yeah. Africa dismantled England's scrum in the World Cup final, yeah. employ the bloke who taught South Africa to dismantle England's scrum and in the World the Cup way, final. And by the way, Sinclair and, and Mako, I know they were there and they'll be there for the Lions. In fact, five of the pack at one point, five of the pack were English at one point in the, in, early in that second half. Oh, but you're still supporting the Scottish just as hard, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> okay. And uh, as much as they were there playing for the Lions, there must have been a little bit in the back of their mind when they were winning those scrums and line-up more going, that's for 2019, have that. Yeah, yeah. undoubtedly. 100%. Undoubtedly. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. It was great. So uh, just one final thing then. You were talking about coaches and stuff. If Gatland does managed to come away with another victory over the next two games. Where will he rank in the all-time coaches? I think oh. he's already top one or two. Yeah. He, he's he's got to be. He's, he's got to be right up there cause of, just because of what he's done. Um, now, there's, there's, I think he is already considered, certainly in Europe, the Northern Hemisphere, as one of the all-time greatest co- coaches. I think the, the opinion in New Zealand is probably not quite the same for, no, for a cu- couple of reasons. Um, one, he's been doing it with Wales and, and the Lions, which is one thing. But then also two years ago or last year when he was Super Rugby Artero with, with the Chiefs, um, he lost eight from eight. He, he was totally, totally unsuccessful. I think the New Zealanders quite like him being bad in their eyes. Yes. I think they really enjoy it. I think that Gatland is the master of pragmatic rugby. That's what I think. He looks at the game. And he just thinks, you know, he, he reduces it to what works. And then you've got all of these other geniuses in the world of rugby. And they are, you know, trying to reinvent the wheel. And they're trying to, you know, have different skills. And they're talking about, you know, all sorts of... You know, skills. Non- nonsense yeah, skills. Yeah, weird stuff. And it's like, no, no. Big men getting, getting over the game line time and time again. You know, things that don't, be the best of the things that require zero skill. And they go and win. And that's, that's what rugby is. It's dead simple. But either way, whether... Hopefully Gatland is successful, but whether he is or not, in uh, two years' time, after the next World Cup, it's like a fresh coaching cycle, there'll be a couple of interesting decisions because there'll be a few nations eyeing him up and wanting him, and and two in particular. I think England may or may not, depending on what Eddie does, um, whether Eddie wins a World Cup and all the rest of it, I think Gatland, England will want Gatland after the 2023. How could not? and New Zealand potentially. Now, New Zealand wouldn't if they continue the philosophy they've been using recently. They've been promoting from within with, obviously, Henry, Hansen, Fozzie. Um, He's got them working on his breakdancing. That's all I want to Well, well, well but, have a dance-off between him and, him and Robertson. It, it, Robertson. That, that decision will all depend on how New Zealand do. If New Zealand win the next World Cup, it will validate their decision historic decision to promote from within and so they will just keep doing the same thing if they and basically for New Zealand anything other than winning a World Cup is a failure yeah. if they fail to win a World Cup that's when they might um, put out the call for Gatland to so come two, in so two things which I think are going to be difficult for Gatland well in the new cycle is England themselves have a cycle which <laughs> is um, well they're currently having a foreign coach and I think they're going to, there's going to be a clamour 
for an English coach next because that's just the politics of it. I don't think they'll immediately go to Gatland unless there is no outstanding candidate. So I think someone like um, Baxter would have to Baxter. turn it down. Diamond would have to turn it down. Um, <laughs> you know, there'll be a couple of others. But uh, once, once uh, Sanderson, legitimately Sanderson, I think is going to be... Um, one day. One yeah. day. Yeah. So that'll be the first one. And the second one is New Zealand. I think the, the plan here is to get Gatland back into New Zealand rugby through the... To the Chiefs. To the Chiefs. Now, if he continues to fail as miserably as he previously has done, it's going to be a very hard argument to make, isn't it? Whatever, he's beating the world champions at the minute. And, and we're going to... And, and, and you don't need to tell me that. You need to tell New Zealand rugby that. Yeah, well, <laughs> prediction for next week. How do you think it's going to go? Oh, I'm, I think the Lions kill him off. I think they make a few changes, and I think they, I think they end it. I think South Africa win it. I, I think South Africa are going to win it. I think it will be one of those arm wrestle games... And I think if things went South Africa's way in the first half and didn't go their way in the second half. And I think a few more things over the course of the game will go, just the ball will bounce right, the, the angles, the, those fine margins will yeah. land on South Africa's and also, side. I'm on a third test. I'm on a stag doing Liverpool for that weekend. <laughs> and it's all predicated on this third test being quite good. Yeah. So, yeah. By the way, can I just say, talking about a stag do, how good is it just to... Like a bit of normality. I stood at a bar. No, I chatted to a barman. I, I, who I could see all of his face. I went out on Amazing. Thursday night. I was like, I'm not missing the first week of freedom. I'm going to go out on Thursday night on my own. I went out on my own in Manchester. <laughs> where, where did you go? Uh, I go Revster Cuba. Um, I went to nice. um, something called Blues Lounge, which is very, very nice. Uh, went to get myself a martini. Uh, I went, 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 up, went everywhere, mate. Everywhere. <laughs> Phenomenal. Phenomenal night out. Love yeah. it. I mean, p- people might infer some sort of uh, the pause between saying where you went as, you know, yeah. <laughs> some, some uh, places of ill repute, but uh, we'll leave that. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> but it sounds like this was the place to be last night as well. It most certainly was. Friday night and, and last night. And Friday night was, was awesome. So we, we were at the bar over there. Uh, Guy Ritchie's bar, no less. What? Yeah. Guy Ritchie has a Travelling bar. Gritchie's. Is that, is and that, so we're at Guy Ritchie's bar real? and we were at. Uh, G- oh, hold on, hold on. Like, on, is that true? director, former husband of Madonna. Yes. Guy Ritchie. Had, had a bar at North, North Dorset Sevens. <laughs> Love that. Uh, and next door to Guy Ritchie's bar was Jake Paledri's bar. Yeah. With his just pressed cider. So we were enjoying um, their fine produce. And the. I'm not. I'm not a big cider man, but if I'm in the I'm, if, uh, if I'm in the southwest, I, I'll have a few ciders. But we all big Jake Pledry men. We, uh, Jake Pledry is a big Jake Pledry man. Yeah, he yeah. is an enormous unit. Um, but he's very nice chap, um, chap. Having a good chat with him. But then it was it was like we, about nine o'clock. It was like calming down a little bit, and we thought it was it was going to wind down. And we're like looking maybe some options to go for a drink somewhere else. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, like. A few hundred people came from who'd been preloading at the campsite, came out, and it was great dancing in the rain on Friday night. Uh, yeah, so tops off. When we, yeah, tops off, of course. Um, <laughs> we, had a, we had a few beers, and as we had a few more beers, inevitably, um, the conversation started talking about bar fights. Um, Josh had a bar fight once, didn't, didn't you, Josh? Our uh, power in the sevens, um, <laughs> which is awesome. Uh, and in front of Jake Pledger, I said, Jake, have you ever been, in, have you ever, you know, been beaten up? No, never. <laughs> like, never? <laughs> no, never. Right, right, okay, well, we'll leave it there. Yeah. Take, take some, some men, some team of men to want to try <laughs> yeah. and beat Jake well, Pledrio. I seem to remember the Springboks, all 15 <laughs> of them struggling to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, th- I think um, I, I'm, 
only disappointed that I wasn't part of it Friday night or Saturday. Do you think this then. is like the thing though? This is like the um, that, like the tradition. We'll go and play, and we'll send you away somewhere, and then you can join us. <laughs> you can join us if next I'm being sent away to hang out with uh, exactly your mate, Greg. international legends, that, that's that's absolutely fine. <laughs> with international legends, I think. Um, but I think I think we should say because you can see everyone's packing up after a cracking weekend. Uh, well done to North Dorset Rugby Club. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely phenomenal. Amazing. And everyone, everyone, the 64 teams who showed up with play and played yeah. played some good rugby. It was awesome to be a part uh, of. Tell me this. You've got some kinky YouTube searches. Um, <laughs> is a needle up the dick a good thing or a bad thing? <laughs> I, Phil told me about this. So, uh, okay. So I, tell me if I'm wrong because I'll try and give the short version of this, this story. Uh, there was there was a team that were upset that the Egg Chasers social one, team... One guy. The rest one of the team guy, were, yeah, guy, the rest of the team were all brilliant. Absolutely, absolutely one, guy on, uh, one guy from an opposing team was upset that the Egg Chasers social team were too good. No, they was upset that we started, for, that we started without him. Uh, there's a bit of... I think it was a bit of both. Uh, yeah. It was a bit of both. So basically, like, you were all legitimately old enough to be classed as vets. Oh, uh, well, hang on. Our team was... Their team yeah. wasn't. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so our team 14... was legitimate. It's just we can't help it if uh, you know the people that listen to egg chasers and heed our call are fine strapping men who look after <laughs> to themselves. To a man. To a man. Hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. Can't can't help that. No, not going to apologise for. No. But, but his insult was. That was about. His in- what did no, he say? What was the needle it, up? It's social rugby. You should have wait. You should have waited for me. Now, bearing in mind, waited for him. I don't know if he thought it was going to make a difference because they had fourteen men against our ten. Um, <laughs> they, so, they, finished, they finished with about 18 players on the yeah. field and, and three the of them in their what 20s the and yeah, so said, yeah you should have waited for us and, but when I played that that was about as enjoyable as a, as a needle up the dick like, <laughs> oh that makes sense then <laughs> well is it enjoyable so you enjoyed well, it no as, <laughs> oh so he was saying he, he said it was about as enjoyable as a needle, a needle up the yeah, dick yeah so as but, it yeah. wasn't enjoyable yeah, but like, so why does he want the extra 10 minutes to play on this <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sure I there's some logic in there somewhere on that bombshell yes on that bombshell, uh, the guys here at North Dorset Rugby Club need to pack up and uh, we all need to get home and you guys need to go and rehydrate. Yeah, five-hour drive. Get yourselves on a saline drip before your journey back to Manchester. <laughs> or during it. Yes. <laughs> yes, yeah. please. Nice one. Let the boys play. Let the boys play. Sweet. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 